everybody. Grab your Bible and a pencil and a journal and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, I would like for you to write this down. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Be a sober spirit and be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, and strengthen and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara and I am Dot's daughter and we sit down together every week and we talk through truth and scripture. And in this episode, we are diving into First and Second Peter. And I will say that we skip over James in this episode because we actually went through James chapter by chapter back in episodes 34 through 36. So if you would like to hear our take on James, you can go back and listen to those episodes. But in this one, we do go into First and Second Peter, like I said, and we talk a little bit about Peter and kind of compare and contrast him to Paul because we have talked a lot about Paul lately. But we really dive into, you know, what does it look like to suffer here on earth and what has God promised us through those verses in chapter five that my mom just read. And we also touch on how do we cast our anxieties onto him and how does that practically look for our day-to-day life. So we are really glad that you're here. We would love for you to pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, Kara. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas around here now, even though we did sing the turkey song last time. Well, and last time we remember we talked about how we have been decorated for Christmas for like a month now. I know. And I'm very, very excited because now we can officially say it's Christmas because Thanksgiving's over. That's true. But I mean, we did have a great Thanksgiving. We and did. we do love love us on Thanksgiving. But and I will say that nobody Literally, I don't care who you are, but nobody can make a better dressing than you. Your dressing, and we're a dressing family. We're not stuffing, mm-hmm. yep. but Corn it is. Dressing. I mean, it's. I don't even. There's no words for it. It's amazing. Well, I didn't even pay you to say that, and no, I've not taken orders for cornbread dressing. But I will say this: I got that from my mother, and you know, it's really funny because people that have stuffing grew up having stuffing, and they that's what they want. Right. And people that have had cornbread uh, dressing, that's what they want. But so even though I think you're a little biased, and I appreciate it. Well, I don't care. Yeah. It's still the truth, even if I'm it biased. Is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I do love um, cornbread dressing. And it, yes, it is my mother. And I remember asking my mother how to make it. And she'd say, well, you just put a little pinch of sage in here and you just put a little bit of salt anyway and i was just like i don't know what pinch how do you pinch yeah sage you know that kind of stuff so she didn't really have a um, recipe so you just kind of have to yeah well and it's a a process because you like have to make it for a couple days you have to let it sit and all that so anyway thank you for making it you're welcome you know what i um 
I was sitting here thinking, you know, we passed up James because we had we, we did, did James, yeah, we talked, yeah, talked to James. But we do you want, is there James. something that you want to touch on with James? No, I mean I love James, uh, but there's just so much in First and Second Peter. And you know, when I was thinking about us doing the podcast, and I was looking through First and Second Peter, I thought, I wonder what we're going to talk about. And I started looking at the books. And in my Bible, and I've got so many things underlined it, and yellow, and you know, marked. Yeah, First Peter and Second. And I thought, oh my gosh, there's so much in First and Second Peter, and I just didn't really, you know, really think about it. Actually, I don't know that I hear a whole lot of sermons about First. And I do Second think First Peter. Peter five is probably the most well known, mm-hmm. at least. That's what it seems like to me. I, like, I do think I've heard a couple sermons on First Peter 5. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like this verse always reminds me kind of like of high school. I don't know. It just like, it was one of my favorite verses growing up. Well, many verses, but the verses mm-hmm. literally that you read. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved them growing up. And I don't really have a lot underlined in Second Peter. Well, Second Peter... Ironically, I don't have as much in Second Peter as I do First Peter, but I I, I have to tell you this because you know stuff like this excites me. Now I'm not sure that this excites you or the people that are listening, but I just I have to say it. Okay. So I am so surprised because when I'm reading, you know, a, a book and it's say James, I think of James, or if it's John, I think of John, and. You know, first and second Peter, I started thinking about Peter and I started doing a little research. And this is part of some things I oh, had. Oh, good. Well, actually, I was going to ask Peter. you. Some, yeah, I was going to ask you about Peter because we've talked a lot about Paul. And so I was curious, uh-huh. yeah, what you had to say about Peter. So well, take here it, we go. Take the floor. I'm, okay, here we go. Peter was probably the strongest person, the, he had the biggest impact upon the early church. More than okay, Paul. More than Paul. Because Peter walked with Jesus, Peter was with Jesus, Peter was eyewitnesses of Jesus and things like that. So very, very close. But so was um, John. Well, John too, but, and John talks about him being the beloved, but believe right. it or not, the first 12 chapters of Acts are devoted to the ministry of Peter and to the ministry of the church, how Peter minister to the church. He was a huge, huge, big influence. And then also Paul mentions Peter on several occasions in Galatians and and Corinthians and stuff. And so I, I just found it so interesting about what an impact that Peter had. And you remember when Jesus had come back and Jesus had said to Peter, yeah. you know, like, you know, somebody's going to take your hand and and lead you where you don't want to go and tell him, Mm -hmm. Peter, you know, he was going to die. Well, when Peter was writing first and second Peter, he was probably going and facing the worst persecution of the church of all times. And why was it, how was it worse than Paul? Like what's the, well, at the time when Peter was writing this, what was happening was that there was this governor, Pliny, I think he's called the governor of Plythia. He was a governor to the Roman emperor. And he uh, really was so against Christianity that he really is considered in, in history one of the most cruel person of what they did to the Christians. And there was oh. just it was just extremely mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it. Now, 
obviously, you know, even Paul and Peter and all the disciples and the new church, you know, when you talk about Colossians and Ephesians and all that, they were all facing persecution. Right, right. But it is known that when Peter was writing first and second, uh, yeah. these f- first and second yeah. letters, is that the church was really facing a lot of persecution. So first Peter is about the external being literally persecuted, whether mm-hmm. you're killed, burned alive, whatever was going right. on, put in prison. That was the first Peter. Second Peter talks about the struggles from within. And I found it so interesting because Peter uh, deals with, you are going to be uh, facing a lot of persecution. Of course, Jesus told him that. Right. But but they were facing persecution because they were a Christian. In Second Peter, he talks about suffering, but it was eternal, internal. And so uh, when you read First Peter, you'll see where he's talking about standing firm and mm-hmm. living a godly life. Second Peter is talking about being very careful with how you handle this persecution from within. So mm-hmm. I, I get it like this. Mm-hmm. There's certain things that's going on around us, and it's the way we handle those things. So we can suffer externally. There, you know what? Somebody's done something. But then if we don't deal with that within, if we don't see it in a a different perspective, which is what Paul was talking about, Paul brings up and compares Jesus' suffering. Like, Mm -hmm. look, you're a follower of Jesus. He suffered. He was persecuted. So he uses Jesus as a guideline. Jesus suffered. You're going to suffer. And it's one thing for suffering because of your external issues. But if you don't handle it right, you're going to suffer from within hmm. in your heart and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I find no, that, that very sense. interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, too, we just don't have as many letters from Peter and probably yeah. why Paul. And, I mean, you know, Paul was sent. I think we might have touched on this when we talked, went through Acts. But, you know, Paul was sent to preach to the Gentiles and Peter was sent to mm-hmm. preach to the Jews. And I, the Jews are, I mean, they are the ones who— persecuted the most, you know, like, I mean, there were other people, I don't, I'm not saying everyone who, you know, like the governor you mentioned, he probably wasn't a Jew, but just in terms of like, I mean, the Jews are who crucified Jesus, you know? So Mm -hmm. uh, that would be a really tough audience that, because he had, he he probably had a bigger uh, undertaking because Mm -hmm. of all of the, I mean, all the fairs, you know, like the, the Jews Mm -hmm. knew the Torah, they knew all of that. And so he, I don't know. I just feel like he probably had a bigger task before him. Yeah, I just want to make it clear. The Romans are the ones, you know, Caesar, uh, they declared and handed Jesus over to the Jewish people. Right. The Jewish people were the ones that wanted him crucified. Right. And so that's what I meant. uh, Like they were the ones that sought, that plotted against him and, you know, all of that. So anyway, just saying that. Roman soldiers that put him on yeah, the cross. Yeah, and so but, yeah. that's a part of the gospel that Peter had to go and tell about of, like, you mm-hmm. know, the Jews. You, we saw it to kill. You know, yeah. yeah like, mm-hmm. So anyway, all to say is, yeah, we, and I, I don't know, I, Peter is just funny to me, and I know I've said this before, but he's, he makes me laugh throughout the gospels because he's just so, like, 
just there. All like he just the things that he says. I don't even know how to explain it, but it just makes well, me laugh. I, I don't know this, but sometimes I feel like Peter speaks without thinking. Yeah, 100%. Peter reacts, you know, out of his emotion. You know, it's even you know, like even when um, you know when Jesus was in Gethsemane and the soldiers came, you know, is said that Peter was the one that. Drop the ear off. The ear off. Just it was a response. Well, and I've mentioned, I know I've talked about this on here um, not that long ago, but like the transfiguration, it always makes me laugh because when they're on the mountain and it's um, Peter, Mm -hmm. James, and John, I think. I know Mm -hmm. know Peter and John, but anyway, and Jesus and, you know, Moses and Elijah Mm -hmm. appear. And Peter is just like, oh, let me go. I'm going to make a tent for all of us. That'll be good. Mm -hmm. Like he. It's like all of a sudden Peter's going to have yeah, a tra- it's like our, <laughs> constructing like a oh this will be yeah like oh here's yeah. a great idea let's you know yeah. and uh, he it says in I think in the Mark account that he said that because he was terrified and anyway it's just like funny where he's like oh this will be good like let me get a tent for all of us and we're just going to mm-hmm. like camp out you know it's just kind of like, no 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 Peter this is I got a plan like, I got a plan yeah he's just anyway he's funny he just is but my point in saying all that is I do think you see a difference in Peter after. Oh, His quote-unquote failure with the um, mm-hmm. denying Jesus three times like that was absolutely. And there's a there's a humble Peter that we see after that. It, it, a humble, but a very bold, you know, Peter was bold. Uh, and I feel like he was always bold. I mean, even like that transfiguration moment. But it's like a, a a boldness out of humility versus like, oh hey, like I'm gonna let's you know build tents or right. like oh I would never deny you. He's. I feel like that was always part of him, but then you see how God, like God, used that mm-hmm. um, after he was broken, after he denied him, to be bold in a humility, a humble way. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, Peter saying, "I will never deny him." I mean, that was a prideful thing. I, th- you know, well, he was, I, I look yeah, at yeah, he was chance. just bold. Like he's always like yeah. he going at I me. Mean, he was the one that jumped out of the boat. Like I'll do it. You know, like yeah. I'll walk on water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I uh, I think about when. The Transfiguration, you were talking about that. And Peter was like, you know what? I just, this is, I am liking this. I, I feel like Peter's like, let's just stay here. And, and you know, I think about that sometimes because, and, and especially knowing now that he's, you know, facing so much persecution and, and Jesus is saying, Peter, you know, I know that you like the way this is and you like the feeling and this is great. And, you know, this is an, a, an amazing experience, but we just can't always mm-hmm. stay in these great experiences. Yeah. And well, yeah, this that's what he says. It says, it's good that we're here. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah. This is great that we're all here. Let's, Let's just make stay tents. here. Yeah. And then it said, he didn't know what to say. He was terrified. But anyway, I thought going back to what, you read in chapter five of First Peter. Uh-huh. This morning, I mean, that's where I kind of hung out this morning too when I was mm-hmm. going through First and Second Peter. And one thing that I had written in my margin that I wanted to say that I thought was I really liked it. I mean, I don't think it was me. I just have it written in the margin, but because it's in reference to how that devil is, over, you know, prowling, looking for someone to devour, and. I have written in the margin, Satan wants to keep you looking back so that he can keep you from moving forward. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Yeah. And, and that is definitely one of the plots of uh, Satan is to keep us uh, thinking about our mistakes. And I think that that's one of the things I love about Peter, too, is, you know, 
obviously, like you said, he's bold. He's, you know, at one time, you know, when Jesus said he was going to die, it was Peter's like, no, don't talk about that. And, yeah, like, no, you're not. And, yeah, and God, and Jesus says, Satan, get behind me. He doesn't say yeah. Peter. <laughs> right. And, uh, and he said, you're not thinking about the things of God. And I think the reason the devil likes for us to stay in um, the past is because we're not thinking of the ways of God. We're not thinking about how God's rescued us and how God's protected us and how God's faithful. We're either thinking about our past, thinking about our mistakes, and, you know, we go to what our eyes are on. And if we continue to talk about our wounds, if we continue to deal with our wounds, if we continue to even look at our scars, other than looking at the scars that Jesus kept on his hands. Or even thinking about what's happened, like thinking about, oh, this person, you know, how they wronged them. Or even if yes. it's, I mean, even if it's not a it's wrong always thing. always the past. But I think even if it's like a loss, you know, like if someone mm-hmm. has passed, you know, like mm-hmm. not saying you don't remember that person, but I'm just saying like if you're constantly thinking about how they're gone, you know, like that, it w- that would be hard. And not that, again, you will never, mm-hmm. you know, we will never forget. It's not looking back of like you don't forget. It's just not focusing on it is what you're saying, like keeping your eyes. Well, ironically, it doesn't control you. And um, what do you mean? Whenever we, um, matter of fact, in Second Peter chapter 2, I want you to read this in, in uh, verse 19, promising them freedom, he's talking about, Satan and darkness, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome by, this he is enslaved. So when our thoughts, and we're so overcome by our thoughts, we can't get our thought, our thoughts under control. We can't get our uh, emotions under control. We're enslaved to that. Like it controls us. And I think uh, one time, someone shared this with me and it was right after my mom had died um, mm-hmm. and went to be with Jesus. And, you know, December the 1st uh, mm-hmm. is the anniversary of her uh, passing. And I always, you know, without even knowing what day it is, yeah, there's a, I know. feel, I, I know. And I remember one time someone shared with me that what they, they dealt with depression and they mm-hmm. said that one of the things that helped them is that they asked themselves when they started having these thought patterns. And we've talked about thoughts and how what we think about affects our emotions, which will eventually, you know, not under any kind of control, will eventually go to depression. But she said, uh, as she was speaking, and she, and she dealt with a lot of depression. And she had a son that was born with, you know, a birth defect, ended yeah. up dying. And she said that she would start thinking about him. And, of course, she wanted to think good things about him. She wanted to remember him because she thought, if you don't ever remember him, like he's gone forever. And Anyway, so she talked about that. But she said that she really stopped when she started thinking about her son and started missing him. She really took a minute and she thought to herself, if I keep thinking this, thought, where is it going to lead me? Am I just going to get more and more depressed? Or am I going to be able to have great memories of my son and and start thinking about, you know, what God had done even through all of that suffering? 
And so if she knew wherever situation she was in, if she knew based on what was happening at that current moment, that she continued to think about her son's passing, that she would end up in depression, she stopped thinking about it immediately. And in her mind, it wasn't like, I can never think of this ever again. But she knew that today, that day, that moment, and maybe later on she could think about it, but at that moment she had to stop thinking about that and she got her mind on something else. And it helped me so much. Well, I think there's a balance of, because I am one, my counselor has been helping me see that my depression comes, it's like the opposite where it's, a lot of depression is the suppression of emotions. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just suppressing emotions, but it's not letting your emotions, you know, control you, like you're saying, being enslaved to them. So I think like with what that, basically what that woman was saying was in some ways she just was like thinking, you know, of, it was, she still wasn't dealing with like the emotion part of it, you know, like, cause I think when well, you're, she acknowledged her emotions, that's, right. But she wasn't moving. It. Yeah. And she wasn't moving through them because she was acknowledging the emotion and then thinking about it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And so that was it, staying, it, it's, not moving right, through it. it's, Cause, and I think that's an element of, you know, like suppressing your emotions because it's not, not feeling them. It's just taking them and or acknowledging them and taking them to the Lord in order to move through them and allowing him to, you know, heal yeah. or yes, like transform your thoughts or, you know, whatever it needs to be. So the the end of it's in first Peter, but first or chapter five, toward the end, there's those things that it's a promise. Like he mm-hmm. has called you to eternal glory of Christ. He will himself, my translation uses the words restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Mm-hmm. And this morning I went to a deep dive of what those four words actually mean because I was curious of like, okay, what can we kind of like, what can we claim in that? What can, you know, Mm -hmm. like what has he promised to do? Or basically what can we expect through suffering? Yeah. Because actually it says after you've suffered, doesn't mean you're not going to, but this is probably what you're saying is God's promise. that For one thing, he's going to give you grace and, he will confirm, strengthen you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, I wanted to touch on, because I feel like there may be someone else who's out there who's like, okay, what does that actually mean? You know, if he's saying that he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to touch on these really quick. And I went into like what the Greek word was, like I, I deep, mm-hmm. deep dove, deep dived, deep, Good job. I went deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what the word Let's is. Go but. Deep. Mm-hmm. So the restore one, which I think your translation, what does your translation say? Perfect. 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 Mm -hmm. Um, Which is part of it, obviously, but it's to like equip, to complete basically what's been broken. It's to mend what's been broken, to Mm -hmm. perfect, which I thought, which one I love, because especially if you feel like you've been broken or if you have a broken past or whatever. And I know that it's a completion when we're in heaven, you know, like it is, we will be complete when he sees us. But I think it is also like the sanctification process while we're on earth, you know, like he is continually completing us, but we won't be fully complete until we're in heaven. Well, and actually we, you know, as you go there, this is what God's going to do, not us. We, we try to restore right, he ourselves himself. and come. Yeah. Yeah. But it's God doing this. But I think also you would see the suffering in the light of perspective of how God sees it. 
you know, not necessarily how we see it or suffering, because sometimes we yeah, can get I'm just self-assumed. But yeah, I'm just talking about what that word actually means, like what that word restore means. And it, I thought that was interesting that mm-hmm. it that it means that he will mend what's been broken, that he will perfect and complete us. The second one is confirm, which the this is what I like really was kind of looking into was the difference between confirm, strengthen, and establish because they're all mm-hmm. kind of similar. But it also is like, what does that actually mean that he'll confirm it? You know, like it's also kind of like, what does that actually mean? So the what that word means is to place firmly, to be stable, to be steadfast. Mm-hmm. And there's another way to say it, to it to turn resolutely in a certain direction. So I thought that was like really interesting that he will, like he will stable us. Like he will bring us to a place to be steadfast. Like he will turn us in the right direction and it's to turn resolutely. Like it is, it's, it's resolute. It, you can't undo it, you know, like, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting. The strengthen one is kind of basically it's, it is to strengthen, but specifically what that means is to strengthen like one's soul. Like that is a, obviously it's not a physical strength, but it's a, it's a strengthen and spiritual knowledge and power, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And then the last one is established, which is, I thought this was, I mean, it's, you know, to lay a foundation, it's kind of a similar thing of like to make stable. And the same word is used in Matthew. And I loved this, the verse that it is, it was used in it. The verse says you didn't collapse because the foundation was on the rock. Mm-hmm. And I love that because. Which is Peter. Right. And so I thought I like really loved that correlation between like the establish is a similar in the confirm in terms of like making stable and it's this firm foundation mm-hmm. but it it's also referencing like we we will not collapse you know and it, it reminds me right. of that Corinthians verse of like we may be hurt but we're not going to be destroyed you know like our foundation is on the rock mm-hmm. um not just on rock but on Jesus so anyway i thought those i thought that was interesting i, I love to that, that because i love that and, you know, I always look up the Greek and uh, Hebrew words because I love doing that. I love I love really concentrating on who's writing, who they're writing to. And then, you know, the words that they use are extremely, very, very important. They don't just throw out words. Right. Uh, they don't look up, the, you know, Webster Dictionary and try to find a, you know, synonym or something like that. They There's purpose in, right. in saying these things. I think it's... Uh, encouraging right before that, he says, you know, resist Satan, you know, stand firm in your faith. And it's your faith in God, not Mm -hmm. your faith in, um, you know, I'm going to get through this, but faith in God, knowing that um, you're not alone, that there are other people, you know, going through the same thing. And I think that there is strength and encouragement to know I'm not the only person that's ever experienced this. Right. I think one of the things about the word perfect and you were talking about restore, I do think that there comes a time when God does complete healing in our emotions in our soul. I think Here there's on Earth. a time yeah, I really do. I think there is a time when over time it may take a while, depending on how damage you have been in your um, emotions and your soul. But I I really do believe that there comes a time when you're focused and you're stand firm and you're thinking about, you know, God and that God 
you know what? You can redeem this time. I trust you. I mm-hmm. trust you to make not all things are good, but I trust you to make all things good. Uh, and in course, eventually, we, you know, you talk about heaven. But I just think there comes a time when you look back and go, oh, yeah, I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's oh, mending. yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's mending what's been broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think if you look really closely, I, I think often about, you know, talked about the cross that was um that was my dad's that was on the wall and it just it just you know fell and just crumbled in all kinds of pieces and miraculously this lady that knew how to do plaster um put it all together i'd have never believed in a million years i had it in little little uh ziplock baggies like yeah, yeah the ziplock bags and stuff but if you look close real close you'll see the cracks and stuff mm-hmm. and but if you look at it and just look at it as a whole, you can't see that. And I think that that's where I feel like that's, that gives me the picture of being able to be restored and redeemed and strengthened. Is yeah. you as a whole, you look okay. You're you're restored. You're right. back to yeah. Normal. But if you look closely, you can yeah see the cracks. I did mm-hmm. want to touch on the part where he says casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Yeah. In your, if someone were to ask you, like I'm about to ask you right now, yeah, how would you say, practically speaking, you cast your anxieties on him? Like what, like break that, take that out of the Christian language. And it's like, okay, well, what is that actually? Like, not, I know, I'm sure most people probably know what it means. Like, oh, you give him your cares, but how, because I know anxiety is, you know, it's very common. And even if it's not even you deal with anxiety, but you have anxious moments, you know. Mm-hmm. So how would you say, like, okay, how how do you how do you do that, Kara? I should have a PhD in how to do this. <laughs> I, but you don't. Well, I should because I would say that this is something uh, that I do not only every day, but throughout the day. So what is it? And I'll tell you exactly. You know, there's difference between a fear, this legitimate fear. If someone is coming up at me to attack me, right. automatically I'm gonna be afraid. If yeah, fear is not. A, yeah, it's not always a bad but, feeling, yeah. right? But when he's talking about your anxieties of of what we think might happen, a lot of times that has the fear. Or we feel like we think we know how something's going to go that causes anxiety. So there's identifying that anxiety and what it is. So what I do, and it has helped me so much, is that I either get down on my knees or I pray out loud. I maybe walk around talking. Uh, and praying. I may be in the car, turn my radio off and go, okay, God, I am anxious. God, I am afraid. God, I am struggling with trusting you with the outcome of this. And I acknowledge it. So to me, it's casting it on there. It isn't just casting it on there as if it's just a big lump of something. I identify at that moment what it is. And I say to God, God, I am carrying the weight of this. God, I'm afraid that this is what's going to happen, or I'm afraid it's not going to happen. 
God, this is what I've done, and now I'm afraid of reaping the consequences. I name it. And then what I do is that I say, I've got to give this to you. I, I can't carry this any longer. And I'm making a choice to give this to you. It is not an emotional thing. It is a choice. It is a choice to not being able to figure it out. It's a choice to give him the unknown. It is not uh, a plan of how I think that God should work it out. It is giving it to him. So it's basically it's prayer. It's it's constantly because that's it, what it's called. It's casting it on him, but it's yeah. giving it to him. It's giving it to him. Some people over the years have put a prayer request, put it in the envelope, and write uh, God's name on it. And it'd be a reminder. I gave this to you, okay? Many years ago, when Howard and I were having marital problems, many years ago, someone had said, you know, whatever you're worried about stuff, you know, put it, write it down, put it in an envelope, and give it to God. It's kind of like the same thing, casting it on there. <laughs> many years ago, when we were moving, I'm opening up my Bible, and there is this envelope, and it said God. And I opened it up, and I had written my marriage. Now, by this time, our marriage is better than ever. And so it was kind of, you know, a uh, a praise because I was like, wow, uh, look what, you know, God did. But even though I gave that to God and even though I had to uh, give him the results of the outcome, there were some things that I had to do that was my responsibility to learn and, and journey through it. So what do you it's mean not by that? just well, it's not just saying, well, God, you take care of it and then you just go and live in, and do what you want to do. You have to, so when you're not worried about the outcome of the of the anxiety, you're not worried about what's going to happen, and you give that to God, you give him the outcome, you're not emotionally distraught and you're able to hear the Holy Spirit comfort you, give you grace and give you wisdom. And like we were just talking earlier about, you know, praying and saying, you know, God, I, I need to not think about my mom right now because it's going to lead me to to a depression. Well, you can say, God, I, I'm giving that to you. I'm giving you my thoughts. And then you, you have to make a choice to then think about something else. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or, yeah, do yeah, do something else. Think so, yeah, I think too. It's also a part of like your heart because you can say all day long, "I give it to, you, I give it to you," but then if your heart is not willing, you know, to give it to him, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's where it's like, well, that's um, just words, right? That's what I'm saying. So I think there's an element of like the posture of your heart as well when you're asking him to do these things and casting your anxieties on him. You know, like it's not just telling him because sometimes it's like, well, you know, I, I feel like people may say like, oh, I tell them, you know, my anxiety all the time and it doesn't go away. And it's like, well, but are you, are you telling them? And then laying it at, laying it at the cross and trusting that he will, you know, take care of the situation, whatever it may mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think there's mm -hmm. like an element of, yeah, like. Yeah, but what, you don't, what you're saying is this, is that people say, well, yeah, I tell, you know, give God my anxiety all the time. Then I still have it. What you're doing is you're telling God what your anxiety is, 
but you're still carrying the weight of the outcome. When you give God your anxiety or you say, God, I'm afraid this is mm-hmm. something's going to happen, then you've got to give him the responsibility of whatever the outcome is and know that it's the best outcome. Well, and I think uh, because it says because he cares for you. And I do think mm-hmm. if we the heart of God believe that, yeah. it's like I, I believe you care about me. And so if I'm giving you something, there's an instinct like letting go when you really believe mm-hmm. whoever you're giving the thing to cares about you, you know? Yeah. So I think that, I mean, that's where it's like the intentionality of how Peter wrote it of give them the, give them your, you know, cast your anxieties, but because he cares about you. So as you are casting on believe, and maybe you don't believe that he cares for you. So asking, ask him to, help you to believe that. You know what I mean? Like, I think that is a big part of it too, because again, it's a lot easier to give your cares or give a situation to someone when you believe that they care about you and to care, you know, it's like, that means, like you said, he'll do the best. He'll do, Mm -hmm. he's got this. Yeah. And remember when Peter was writing this and he was saying those words, he was saying these words to the people that were going to be persecuted and killed. And he wanted them to know that Jesus cared enough to die for them. That Jesus cared and loved them enough to leave heaven and come down and die on a horrible uh, death of a cross. And, and we forget that. Mm-hmm. And because we think this, well, that was nice. That's just for salvation. No, that was because... Because he loved us. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus has said so many times, you think that you're putting me on this cross. You don't think that I could call 10,000 angels to come down here and help me. I'm right. choosing to do this cross. And you think, why? And it was because for God so loved the world and he so loved you. And for me, so many times, and I, and I can't imagine, you know, as much as I love you and I love my kids, I can't imagine, you know, if I thought, well, if I had the power to change your situation, I would. But here's where's the difference. God wants to change our circumstances. He's provided heaven. He didn't create this world for all this stuff to go around. But God also knows that it may not be best for your circumstances to change at this moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where, to me, you're trusting God. You're Because He cares and because He's God and because He knows what's best, He knows the end to the beginning, that if what I do, like, God, if this doesn't change, if this is what it is, I'm going to surrender to your will, not just because you're God and I'm supposed to, but because you care for me and you love me, and you've always been faithful, and you cannot not be faithful. And that's how I cast my anxiety on it. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen, or visit her website, DotBowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.